2: And you're here. Thanks for choosing the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal
3: Podcast Network. Your quest for podcasts of the paranormal, supernatural, and the unexplained ends here. We invite you to enjoy all our shows we have on this network. And right now, let's start with Strange Things with Joshua P. Warren. with P. Warren, and each week on this show, I'll be bringing you brand new, mind-blowing content, news exercises, and weird experiments you can do at home, and a lot more on this edition of the program, Witches, Wizards, and Warlocks. Now, what exactly do you think those things are? These are words that many of us often use, but what? is the real history behind those names. You know, in the Bible, one of the oldest texts, the book of Exodus says, thou shalt not suffer a witch to live, meaning that you're supposed to kill them. And that passage in particular was used in the Middle Ages to execute untold numbers of women arbitrarily. And not just, you know, burning them at the stake. I mean, we're talking about horrible tortures, pulling out their tongues, that kind of thing. And yet, if you go back and you look at the original language in the Bible, the original Hebrew word used was, it wasn't which, uh, it was mechasephah, mechasephah. But what, well, what does that word actually mean? It was written. Thousands of years ago. Well, it turns out nobody really knows for sure. Um, a lot of people thought that this could mean, you know, experts have come in and said it could mean mutterings, uh, which, of course, might refer to incantations or something along those lines. Uh, another another expert said it maybe it means to cut like cutting herbs and, and roots for medicines. They're these just you know, theories and nobody really knows. But, you know, I I, I'm a guy who grew up in in North Carolina uh, from European heritage. And so for me, you know, I just have to go back and look at the base definition, the word origin of certain things uh, from, you know, my linguistic background to try to understand the most basic traditional meaning, because you have to understand the word which. Since we don't know exactly what it originally meant, it means many different things now in many different cultures. But let's just start with Wikipedia here. All right. Let's see what the almighty Wikipedia says. Are you ready? Of course, which refers to witchcraft. And it says witchcraft traditionally means the use of magic or supernatural powers to harm others. Really? To harm others. It specifically says that. And before I continued, uh, when, when I was researching this, I thought, well, let's see what they're saying magic is. And here's what the article says. Magic, sometimes spelled with a K, is the application of beliefs, rituals, or actions employed in the belief that they can manipulate natural or supernatural beings and forces. Okay. I guess that's an all right definition, but I'm not sure what supernatural is because isn't everything just natural? But anyway, let's not split hairs on that, shall we? Back to what they're saying here about witches. They're saying specifically the, the word witch is traditionally meant to describe somebody who's using such powers to harm others. It goes on to say this, this practitioner, a witch, Oh, uh, let's see. In, in medieval and early modern Europe, where this term originated, uh, was, was accused. They accused witches, uh, who were usually women who were believed to have attacked their own community and often to have communed with evil beings. Uh, so it's all negative stuff here. Um, and then of course we go down here to, The actual meaning of the word. And let me just pause by saying, you know, I think it's kind of interesting when you talk about a witch is somebody who's using these powers to harm someone. But let's also consider, doesn't that kind of depend on the point of view? Um, because for example, when two countries go to war, uh, they are harming each other. And yet there are people on both sides who believe they are doing the good work, they are the good guys. But if you're going to war and the countries are killing each other, everybody can't be the good guys. There have to be some bad guys in here somewhere. So, you know, this, who, who gets to determine what, what is harmful, right? Um, sometimes is something's perceived as being harmful, even when it's not. You see, this is a murky territory, I guess. Let's go deeper into the origin of that word, though. Um so it, it says the concept of witchcraft and the belief in its in its existence have persisted throughout recorded history it's found in many cultures etc cetera, etc cetera. but in this particular form the old english word comes from Wiccacraft, and which of course we all know what, what wicca is it's spelled a little differently though originally in the old english and they say that that word Wic or wicca has its English root in the words wit, which means wisdom. And so a witch in the most basic sense is, uh, or witchcraft is a craft of the wise. So when you're saying somebody is a witch traditionally, you're li- literally, you're literally saying this person is a wise person. And they are practicing wisdom. And that's really interesting, isn't it? When you think of it from an etymological point of view, because, you know, going back to the Bible, um, Lucifer was the enlightened being, you know, the, uh, the, the children of God here, Adam and Eve were supposed to be kept ignorant in the Garden of Eden. And, and knowledge was sort of forbidden. Don't do not eat from the, the, the fruit from the tree of knowledge. And it was Lucifer who came along and said, let me give you knowledge. And, and, and this was the beginning of the struggle between good and evil. And so we have to ask ourselves uh, to what extent knowledge is evil uh, in that analogy. Uh, it, are we talking about that good is supposed to be naive and obedient and that, and all knowledge is somehow inherently uh, inclined to make us egotistical and therefore evil in some way? Um, and yet then you have these other parts of the Bible, like when Jesus says, and ye shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. So these are just interesting things to think about. But basically, when you're talking about a witch, you are really talking about what has historically been considered a person who has some, uh, wisdom that, that she is not supposed to have and is using that in a way to harm others. And that was sort of how that was, was always twisted. Now we have a very different perception of all that. Uh, I, I think most people do because now when you hear that if somebody says, I'm a witch or I practice Wicca or whatever, you don't think they're out there casting spells and hexes and curses on everybody all the time. You think maybe this is a person who just believes in um, a more natural way of of tapping in to to cosmic powers and and that can go either way. It can be used for both positive or negative purposes, right? That which is why you have like the good witch and the bad witch which is really interesting because if i were to ask you what do you think the male equal of a witch is uh i bet many of you would say a warlock yeah if it, it, the 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 female and, and i know that talking about gender these days is uh, it can get into some uh, complicated side discussions but i'm talking about historically here it was always written that a female was was a witch if she was dabbling in and practicing these things to harm others. And then, but the, actually the male counterpart is not exactly a warlock. It is a wizard. And I'm going to get more into what that means here uh, shortly, but uh, here's the thing about a wizard. A, a wizard is basically just like a witch, except the wizard Is a man. I think that's about the only difference. And that comes from that word uh, wizard. It comes from this uh, old English word, which is a it means a wise erd or a philosopher sage. So, again, we're talking about wisdom. This is the root of, of this. So. These are supposed to be people who have a a level of knowledge and a level of wisdom, but they are using it for some kind of a bad purpose. Okay, so in that case, well, what is a warlock supposed to be? When we come back, I'll explain what a warlock is, and then I'm going to tell you kind of what I think about this whole discussion, really, about good and bad, and then... Boy, do I have some really interesting updates for you on some totally different subjects. Um, As you probably know, this year is going to be over soon. It is 2022. And I I think I have one more really cool invention that I might release before the end of this year. If you're interested in knowing what that is, and I'm I'm also going to give away some free stuff before the end of the year you have to go to joshuapwarren.com and sign up for my free e-newsletter, okay? It takes you two seconds. You just put your email address in the little box there, hit submit, and you will instantly receive an automated email that's got some links to some really free, cool online digital stuff that will help you start making your life more magical, start helping you to attract more abundance, help setting you up, For a much, much better Well, not only week to come But certainly month to come Year to come And the rest of your life There's no period after the P If you go to JoshuaPWarren.com And sign up for that newsletter I am Joshua P. Warren And you are listening to Strange Things On the iHeartRadio And Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network And I will be right back
4: with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash strange things today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot slash strange things.
5: This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in LA. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip.
3: Strange Things on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. I am your host, the Wizard of Weird, Joshua P. Warren, beaming into your wormhole brain from my studio in Sin City, Las Vegas, Nevada, where every day is golden and every night is silver. So, what is a warlock? A witch? Is somebody practicing magic that traditionally was doing it for harmful purposes, according to those who wrote the definitions? Uh, a female doing that. A wizard would be the male counterpart. So, what's a warlock? Well, warlock comes from the old English word warlaga, which meant a breaker of oaths or a deceiver. And this, uh, was given a, a special connection to the devil. Because if you think about it, um, the ultimate sin, I suppose, is betrayal. Lucifer betrayed God. And then Judas betrayed Jesus. And so it's one thing when you have a, a wizard out there who might be a bad guy working some magic. But if that wizard is a betrayer, OK, if this is if this is an individual that is is breaking oaths, uh, this this traitor, maybe somebody who comes in pretending to be your buddy while he's actually getting, you know, uh, insight to stab you in the back. Well, this is the worst kind, the most offensive form. This is the warlock. All right. So a warlock is actually a type of wizard, but, uh, this is like the worst type of wizard because he is so devilish. He's, he will deceive you and do whatever he can in, in those terms. And so therefore, okay, let's, let's step back and look at this. It kind of seems like that, um, you have, Two forms of witch nowadays, which is the good witch and the bad witch. And then we have two forms of wizard, which is the wizard and the warlock. And I and honestly, I think that um, that those names uh, to some degree are very. Um, well, let me let me put it this way. I think that one reason that wizard and, and witch has a more positive connotation uh, nowadays is because of uh, movies like The Wizard of Oz, where the wizard is portrayed as this kind of bumbling good guy. And then, uh, then, then of course you have, yes, you've got the, the wicked witch, but then you also have the good witch, you see. And so what's funny to me about this whole situation is that historically speaking, the, the early Christians that were persecuting so-called witches, they were also practicing a form of magic because there is no more supernatural book than the Bible. The Bible is full of people interacting with the spirit world, uh, with trying to manifest things by praying, uh, with producing miracles, uh, raising the dead. It's the whole thing is super paranormal and magical. And so back then, uh, it's almost like that the only difference between the Christians and, and their kind of miraculous magical mindset versus the, the witches was that the Christians said, well, the witches, they're, uh, doing this for bad purposes. So this is just like Star Wars, isn't it? Where, you know, in Star Wars, um, you've got this thing called the force and you can master it. Uh, but you can do it for the good side or the dark side, all right. And when you when you go to the dark side, well, you know you 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 become one of the Sith. And if you stay on the positive side, well, you are a Jedi. So if you think about it, like in terms of just like the warlock thing, you could say, okay, if a warlock is a bad wizard, that means Yoda and Darth Vader are both wizards, but Vader is a warlock. Because he turned to the dark side. And the witch thing would be similar, except instead of Jedi and Sith, you have now, oh, the good witch and the bad witch. Um, And so <laughs> it's just interesting when you, you sort of think about how the perspective on those things have changed over time. You know, I call myself the Wizard of Weird, and uh, I don't think people... They look at that and say, oh, this guy is in league with the devil, um, because, again, we, we have we've applied different meaning to that stuff. But it's just interesting to go back and think about what it originally meant and how that what this shift in thinking has has shown us is that we are actually a much more magically oriented, open minded culture than ever before. Uh, in the sense that, um, yes, we still are fighting like crazy, uh, all over the world. I mean, not, not nearly as bad as we were a thousand years ago or even a few hundred years ago. Uh, but, but still, I mean, we, we are able to sort of accept that we are all manifesting things in our own different way. Everybody is, unless you are an absolute atheist who is a strict materialist, uh, th- then, you probably are some form of a, a, a magician okay it doesn't mean you're a good magician um, <laughs> but because, and you can be such a sloppy magician, you're actually sabotaging yourself because you're producing bad things for yourself in life. And, uh, and we all do that sometimes. And we all know that, Hey, this life to a certain extent does not have a happy ending because we all have to die and leave some people behind. And, and that's a sad. It's just going to be sad. Sorry. But you know that in the meantime, however, um, we are all trying to manifest things. And so, uh, it's good for us to be open minded. And this is all a matter of perspective, like everything else. Is this person good? Is this person bad? You have to make up your mind on a case per case basis. But I think it's pretty, a pretty good achievement that we live in a world now where somebody can come out, at least in this country, and that's not the case everywhere. But here in the USA, a person can say, I practice Wicca, or I'm a witch, or I'm a wizard, or whatever, and they're not going to be tortured for it or you know, or murdered for it. So now you, you can think a little more deeply about where all that comes from and what we mean when we say it. And while, while I'm talking about some fairly morbid things, I may as well bring this up because I think this is just interesting. Like I say, if you want to understand more about why we live the way we live, you have to think about why we speak the way we speak and what clues are hidden within our language. And I was talking to Lauren the other day and somehow, you know, I mentioned something about somebody dying and I said, you know, they kicked the bucket. And Lauren said, I wonder where that comes from. That phrase kicked the bucket. And I said, I'm not really sure. So I looked into it. And here's what I found. Now, thank you. I want you to think about this for a second. Why would you say that someone who has died has kicked the bucket? So when I look this up, what I found is once again, nobody knows for sure. This is a phrase that has been used for hundreds of years. Um, and there are, there are a number of possible explanations, but here are the two most popular ones. Apparently, uh, it, back in the day, especially when people didn't have, you know, easy access to guns and various other pills and stuff like that, that we, we have today. If, if somebody decided to kill him, him or herself, it was pretty common to hang yourself. And so, uh, a lot of people would stand on a bucket when they were tying up the noose because it was lightweight, easy to kick over. You know, just tall enough. So they would stand up there and they'd tie their noose. I know this is an awful thought, but and then they'd kick that bucket. And, you know, you'd find a dead person hanging there with a, a bucket kicked over next to him. Um that's one of the popular explanations. Here is another one. Uh and it this claims that uh and again, this is you know, sorry, this is one of those awful things, but they say that uh uh, uh that a bucket was a beam from which a pig was hung by its feet prior to being slaughtered and that when they slaughtered it, then in the pig's death throes, it would start kicking the but the beam called the bucket. So I don't know which one of those it is, but, um, I guess they both kind of make sense to me. um, Shall we move on to something a, a little more, <laughs> a little more positive? How about this? Uh, you know, I, I always am talking about how fascinated I am by liquid mercury. Right. And I actually, if you have not listened yet to episode 72 of this program in which I tell one of the weirdest stories that I've ever heard. And that's saying a lot. You should go back and listen to it. And it's a good overview of why the liquid mercury is so special. And I got this, uh, message from my buddy Dean Worsing the other day. And it's, it's a link to an article here, uh, by Duncan Cook of the Australian Catholic University and The headline here uh, or the topic, the title, it says heavy mercury contamination at Maya sites reveals a deep historic legacy. And this is great because I was one of the first people, oh, uh, well over a decade, a decade ago, talking about how remarkable it is that liquid mercury is found at some of these sites. And when we come back, I'm going to tell you more about the questions that are still unanswered about the significance of liquid mercury to ancient cultures and how that may even be applied to what's happening with the UFO phenomenon. And then I want to play a really interesting and wonderful piece of music for you. And then I want to get into a really bizarre dream story. Oh, there's just too much to talk about. I'm Joshua P. Warren, and you are listening to Strange Things on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network, and I will be right back.
5: This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV True Crime Podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half
3: Welcome back to Strange Things on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. I am your host, Joshua P. Warren, and this is the show where the unusual becomes usual. You know, a lady in South Carolina just subscribed to my monthly coffee three-pack. She wrote, quote, it's the best coffee ever. Ever. End quote. I didn't ask her to write that. <laughs> so that means every month she is now going to get fresh bags in her mail of all three coffees the flagship Close Encounter Coffee, the Banshee Brew, the Bigfooter Brew. If you're interested in trying one of those out, just go to Close Encounter Coffees.com, Close Encounter Coffees.com. And, uh, okay, let's get back to liquid mercury, huh? Um, this is a fascinating topic for a, a number of reasons, but what they're saying here in this article, mercury is a toxic heavy metal. And this is, uh, let's see, Australia science. Uh, let's see, Austral, uh, Australasian. Okay. That's an interesting word. Australasianscience.com.au. Uh, I've never been to uh, Australia. I don't know about that word Australasian. I guess it has some meaning I don't know about. But anyway, it says mercury is a toxic heavy metal. And when leached into the natural environment, it accumulates and builds up through food chains, ultimately threatening human health and ecosystems. In the last century, human activities have increased atmospheric mercury concentrations by 300 to 500 percent above the natural levels. However, in some parts of the world, humans have been modifying the mercury cycle for thousands of years. The human caused mercury use has led to mercury entering places globally it would not otherwise be found, such as in lakes or soils in remote locations. One region with an especially long but poorly documented history of mercury use is in Mexico and Central America. Early Mesoamerican societies such as the Olmec had been mining and using mercury in southern Mexico as early as 2000 BCE. So this article goes on to talk about how strange it is that a lot of these ancient people in that area were obsessed with Mercury to an extent that, I mean, or to the extent that you would find samples of it in the middle of some of their most sacred spots. For example, the, uh, the ball court at Lamanai and that I actually went to Lamanai in person and, and learned about that. And they talk about Lamanai here in this article. It's the oldest uh, of the ancient ruins. I think it's like the most remote is what they said. It's been a while since I've been there. That's in Belize. But they end this article by saying there are so many questions. There's the question of, uh, let's see, where and how did the Maya obtain mercury? Who exactly mined it, traded it, and transported it by foot over hundreds of kilometers across present-day Central America? There's the question of whether the Maya were affected by mercury exposure. The next step will be for geochemists and archaeologists to track down the source of mercury at key sites and scrutinize. We also need to find out what forms mercury takes in the environment today. So anyway, once again, this is intriguing to me because these places where liquid mercury was found were places uh where a lot of ancient UFO activity was occurring and pyramids are found and this is where Kukulkan showed up and that's you know I wrote all about this in my book The Secret Wisdom of Kukulkan you can get uh an ebook version of that through my curiosity shop on my website and of course then you start looking deeper and you see that liquid mercury was also of great uh held in great positions of prestige in many ancient cultures around the world and in, in China and India. And they talked about it in the Vedic texts and then the Nazis were working with liquid mercury. And then now we have this mysterious story about something that's being done with mercury here in Nevada around area 51. Again, you got to go back if you want to know more about what I'm talking about here and listen to episode 72. But I just thought that was interesting that now people are starting to look more deeply into this. Uh, you know, if you go, like I say, to my website and you find my curiosity shop, um, one thing that may stand out in your mind is that you'll find things there that you will not find anywhere else in the world. Uh, these are absolutely, in many cases, unique things, things that I invent based upon my experiments or things that I have exclusive access to. And I've told you on this podcast that there is a wonderful composer who lives here in the U.S. named Jim Kalana. And uh, I know he lived in Pennsylvania at some point. I'm not sure if he's still there, but uh, he was so impressed with my curiosity shop and my book, Use the Force, A Jedi's Guide to the Law of Attraction and the Wishing Machine and all this stuff that this professional composer actually created... This real piece of classical music—it's called Joshua's Shop of Miracles and Curiosities—and to my utter amazement, he had this performed earlier this year near Washington D.C. I think it was in Alexandria, Virginia, um, by a a, 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 a like in a big theater by a, a big youth orchestra and. I mean, I was just blown away when he told me he was going to do this. He sent me uh, an actual copy of the the work and the program, and he said that it was totally fine for me to play some of this for you on this show. And I don't usually play music on this podcast. This is, after all, a talk podcast, but I think I can make an exception. So I'm going to play just 90 seconds for you of this wonderful piece of music that Jim Kalana was inspired to write by enjoying the mysterious and exotic and (laughs) enigmatic things that I like to work on. So here we have uh, 90 seconds of Joshua's shop of miracles and curiosities by Jim Kalana. All right. Now tell me, could there be a, uh, could there be a bigger honor than that? I mean, how fantastic is it to have a man of that talent contact you and say, all right, uh, I was so inspired by the stuff that you're doing and it's changed my life and I want to produce this magnificent piece of music and involve all these people in performing it. And, you know, my, I wish I could have been there for that performance, but I was already had I was committed to another event. But uh, my friend C. Eric Scott was there and he loved it. And don't you think that Jim Kalana should be scoring movies? I mean, seriously, <laughs> keep your eye on him. And if you want to hear the whole thing for free, go to his website jimcolonna.com that's spelled j-i-m-c-o-l-o-n-n-a again that's jim c-o-l-o-n-n-a jimcolonna.com and you can listen to all kinds of samples of his music but at the top there uh, there's a section that says music for orchestra and right now if you go there you can listen to the entire joshua's shop of miracles and curiosities I'm expecting Disney to call me at some point now or, or some similar establishment and say, OK, if you're so special that this guy wrote that music, we need to put some visuals with this. What's going on here, wizard? Uh, so thank you again, Jim. Uh, it's just, you know, uh, it's I, I can't put into words how wonderful that is. When we come back from this break, I am going to tell you about uh, an amazing dream experience that I just had and and how it is timed out with these messages I've been getting from other people. Uh, I'll, I'll read an email to you. But first, I want to remind you real quick that uh tis the season if you're into ghost tours, I hope that if you're in the Asheville, North Carolina area, you'll take my haunted Asheville ghost tour just go to hauntedashville dot com if you're around Las Vegas, I hope you'll go to Boulder City and take my ghost tour there It's called haunted dot com and we if you if you're like not into walking tours, but you just want to see a really cool show. I have the Vegas Ghost and UFO Show, which is 60 minutes at this place called Beer Zombies. you got to go read all about it. You sit there and you have a blast for 60 minutes. ParanormalVegas.com. ParanormalVegas.com. I'm Joshua P. Warren, and you are listening to Strange Things on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. And I'll be right back. This
5: is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast to live and die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called to die for. Here's a clip.
3: Welcome back to the final segment of this edition of Strange Things on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. I am your host, Joshua P. Warren, and a pretty interesting phenomenon occurred when I posted episode 97 of this podcast about dreams and And, you know, where do you go when you dream? That kind of thing. A lot of people started emailing me saying that when listening to that podcast, the person would enter some kind of a dream-like state, just by listening to me talk about the subject matter. Here's just one of those emails from Jake. He says, I am 39 years old. In the episode where you were talking about dreams, where you float and abduction of the spirit. And when I listened to this, I felt light as if I was floating. And this was the only time I had ever had a moment if I couldn't tell if it was real or a dream. Hmm. Well, thank you, Jake. Uh, and, and again, I could reach you other examples, but well, what is this about? Uh, when, you know, here I am talking about this and suddenly it's starting to put listeners into an altered state of mind. I had, um, uh, and, and look, and by the way, I don't really know how to explain that other than when you start thinking about it, your, your brain, um, starts to question the moment and whether or not you might be asleep and you don't know it because that's sort of the conundrum there but i it's so weird that i got that message from from him and all these people and then here's what happened to me last night okay i swear this happened to me last night of course, September of 2022 is always going to go down in history as, as a terrible year for hurricanes because of what happened to the poor people in Puerto Rico and Florida and, you know, going all the way up the, the East Coast there through through, of course, Georgia, South Carolina, North Carolina. But I I talked to you on a previous show about my friend, Ida, who is basically, you know, my best friend. When Lauren and I were in Puerto Rico, we were living there. She helped us out tremendously, and she and I were always going on wild adventures like road trips to investigate paranormal stuff. And um, she was just a very fun, vibrant spirit, and she got pancreatic cancer, and uh, she was doing everything she could. You know, she wanted to live. She was 69, and she died the same weekend that the hurricane hit Puerto Rico. And so it was just a really awful, negative, depressing thing to, to think about. But I did get my opportunity to say my goodbyes to her. And, you know, we had, we had that kind of closure. Well, listen, last night for the first time since she died, I had this uh, huge dream about her. And in the dream, uh, I didn't know that she was dead and I was back in Puerto Rico and it was the two of us. And she used to always talk about how much she loved our adventures. That was what she would call them, our adventures. And she and I were just like raising all heck driving around the island. And like, we went into this bar and there were a bunch of jerks in there. So we, like intentionally started a bar fight. And and then, you know, after we got the better of them, this big group of guys were chasing us and we ran out and jumped in the car. We're like laughing and we peeled out and, and we're just like going and investigating all kinds of weird stuff and just having a blast, you know, eating all kinds of exotic new foods. And, uh, I, so I woke up and it took me a second to remember that she was dead. And maybe you've had that experience with if you have a loved one who has died. But I thought, well, I believe maybe that was Eda coming back. You know, there's been enough space here for her to get readjusted to this new world she's in. Maybe that was her coming back and, and finding me in the spirit world and having another adventure. Right. That's what I thought. So anyway, I got up, went through my morning routine. I sat down and started checking my messages. And out of the blue... I had this message from a national reporter from BuzzFeed News. And this reporter said that she was doing a story about people who were having medical emergencies and stuff in Puerto Rico when the hurricane hit and took out facilities and how that has affected the care of those people. And she said that she had come across one of my postings in social media where I had said I had this friend named Margarita and she was wonderful. We all loved her. And she was dying of cancer right as the hurricane hit. And this reporter said she had seen that and she wanted to talk to me more about that, or at least, you know, like, see if there was somebody that I could refer her to that would help her with the story. And I was flabbergasted that this national reporter had contacted me to ask me about that Um while I was dreaming about Eda for the very first time since her death. And having exactly the kind of dream that she would want me to, to have about her. You know, it was just like, this is not a coincidence. So I obviously I I told the reporter, like, yes, you know, feel free to contact me at this email address and we'll talk more and I, I can, you know, help her in, in however way I can. But I mean, like this is just another example. I haven't told anybody about this yet. I haven't even told my wife about this. She'll hear it first on this podcast. I thought that, that she would think that was cool to hear it first on the podcast. Um, But. That kind of stuff, which happens to me over and over and over, proves to me that when you dream, you are in a very, very special state of mind, and your spirit is removed from your body, and dead loved ones can communicate with you, and they can guide you, and they can lead you in a direction. And obviously, Ida wants me to talk to this woman, and there's something there that needs to be said, so I'm going to do that. Uh, Okay, uh, next Email. Um, I recently did a show about uh, how anti-gravity built the pyramids. Of course, I was talking about Nick Redfern's book, and I got contacted by this gentleman who listens to the show a lot. He's in Greece. His name is Stavros, and he said he thinks the blocks were made in situ in the form of artificial cement. Okay. So, like, there's this big mystery about, like, how are these huge blocks moved around? And he's saying, oh, no, they weren't moved. They made them there. And he said the ancient cultures were aware of this technology. Human hair has been found within the matrix of a block. And then he gives some other thoughts on that. Um, and he says, your friend from Greece, Stavros. Interesting I mean, that is something else to think about, isn't it? Could that be an explanation? Uh, and you know what? Uh, let me go ahead. And he sent me another uh, email that I think is worth reading because um, he, he was talking about like this struggle that's going on in the world of, of a kind of a spiritual nature right now. And he says, we are dealing with a highly complex phenomenon, which is manifested through Earth's time, not only with abductions but with communications and possessions, the systems of religions faces them, not scientifically, of course, but sometimes successfully and sometimes specific ancient Greek, like the Orphic hymn to Apollon or Athena or specific Latin texts seem to influence these beings. Um, there are a lot of people right now who are talking about the idea uh, that there is a spiritual battle happening. And thank you again, Stavros. You always have insightful things to say. Um, that there's a spiritual battle happening right now on this planet. And you know what? I believe it. Uh, my gut tells me that that's true. I, well, you know, there's always been a spiritual battle, hasn't there? I mean, isn't that the point? But it's, I think it's coming to a head right now because some of the, the, Well, we're we're a global world. We can all talk to each other everywhere now. And that changes things. And that takes that's what takes it to a new level before it was localized. And now we are living in this worldwide system of communication and we're exposed to everything. And so now the spiritual battle is really about to come to, to some kind of a head. And you have to just think about, you know, where you want to be in there and what side is right for you and what seems logical to you. You know, it's not going to do any good to preach at you. I mean, you just have to, you, I guess you either get it or you don't. And I hope that you will ask the universe to help you with that. If you're having a problem. But here's what we're go- we're all going to do right now. We're going to listen to the good fortune tone, and hopefully that will help all of us have a great next week. Are you ready? Close your eyes if you can. Here it goes.